since you have all now hopefully recovered from last week, we continue the exciting journey through the history of Eurovision with Alon Amir. How did he manage to get the Israeli jury groups to change their vote? What song did the delegation not like? What happens when he gets too much to drink? Which seems to happen a lot. Whose dress did he want to burn? What was it really like working with Hovi Star? And what really happened between Hovi and the Dutch artist Dowie? And what about voting fraud in Eurovision or internal and national selections? Alon's exciting stories continues and his big mouth do kiss and tell. And by the way, don't forget to order his book Three Minutes of Eternity on Amazon. Believe me, it's hilarious! You listen to Eurovision Legends with your favorite schmuck, Emil Lövström. Marie David, I know that you two have shared a bed in Austria. Please elaborate. <laughs> so we're working together and I'm traveling with her whenever she performs outside of uh, France. Yeah. So we were invited by uh, the Austrian fan club to perform in their event in Vienna in 2015. Uh, so we got this most amazing suite at the most amazing hotel and uh, we're entering the room and there was, we saw this huge bed, I'm talking like two and a half, three meters wide, huge, wonderful, amazing bed. So I'm searching the room to see where, it, uh, you know, it's a suite, if there is another bedroom and there isn't. So I'm calling the front desk and I'm saying, listen, we're two people, there is a mistake. And they said to me, don't worry, sir, go for lunch once you're back we'll fix everything. So we're going to lunch and we're back and we're opening the door and we're standing um, at the entrance of the room. And in front of this amazing, huge three meters wide bed, there is a cot, like 70 meters, 70 centimeters wide. It's like when you're using the Arby. And I'm looking at this cot and I'm looking at Anne-Marie, who's looking at me look, and I'm saying, I'm not sleeping on that, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> goes, yeah, you know, I'm not sleeping with that. You know, you, you that's yours. <laughs> and she's looking at me, surprised, saying, sweetie, do you have a problem sharing a bed with me now? Again, it's a three meters bed. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, so we uh, ended up uh, sleeping in the same bed for two or three nights. And that was so funny. But again, it, it, the bed had two different zip codes. It was so huge. Yeah. So we ended up sharing a bed. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely story. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. In 2009, the competition was held in Moscow, and Israel chose to send the first song with Arabic lyrics, sung by two singers, Mira Wad and Achinu Amnini. You were there in Russia as the head of press, and as you know, Mira Wad has been a guest in this podcast and yeah. got to tell a story and her experiences from Moscow and what this performance meant to her. 
what would you like to say about Israel's participation in 2009 in Eurovision? So I started working with them uh, three, four months before that for the national final. They yeah. had a private national final. Yeah, with four songs. Yeah, and uh, I had a meeting with their manager, and he played the first, uh, the first, uh, the four demos, not even the, the the completed songs. And immediately I said, "There must be another way. That's the song." And he said, "Yeah, that's what we want. That's what uh, her label, Noah's label, want. This is the song we're going with to Eurovision." And I said, "Fine." And we started working. The day of the national final was the most horrific day of my life. A long story, it started at six in the morning, ended up with a lot of problems, a lot of issues. And at the end, we're on the van back to Tel Aviv and Mira is screaming at me, screaming her lungs out at me. And I'm not answering. I'm not saying anything. Uh, the following morning, now Mira, she's like a sister. Yeah. She called to apologize. She said, listen, you were the only one doing his job I was so frustrated about everything and I took it out on you and I said I know that I don't care about you so you started who who gives a fuck who do you think you are but in a nice way and she started laughing and she said well we're gonna be best friends <laughs> now at that evening uh, there was uh, jurors and there were televotes and the jurors announced or told me before that they're choosing a totally different song than what we wanted. Do you remember which song? Uh, I think uh, it was the Vals, the Vals song, Come Dance With Me, I ah, think it was. Yeah, that ended second, yeah. Yeah. Will you dance with me through the years as the seasons I told them, no, change your votes. No, we're not going to Eurovision with that. No way. So they changed their votes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay, fine. I, that worked fine. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I didn't know it, it's working like that. So, okay. And you didn't, so, use, and you didn't need to use the money you got from uh, Belarus, the Belarusian team. No, we don't do that in Israel. No, no, we don't <laughs> do that in Israel. So, uh, but... I said, no, we're going with that song. With There must be another way. There is no other way. <laughs> so it won. to Moscow and listen uh, that's the project I'm the most proud of doing Eurovision because I believe in that message and we had so many interviews especially please, please elaborate here because maybe everyone listening doesn't know what the message was well it's, it's it, it was right after a war between Israel and the Palestinian Authority in Gaza 
and uh, we're sending an, an Israeli and a Palestinian Israeli in Hebrew, English, Arabic. And it looked like a gimmick, but they have worked together 10 years, uh, for 10 years before Eurovision. And both Noah and Mira are fighting for peace, you know, for coexistence and everything. So, and that's something I believe in, you know, those are my political views, you know, uh, the Palestinians should have their own country, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So we did a lot of interviews because there was a lot of international interest in the song. And again, after a war with Gaza and missiles were shot in Tel Aviv, whatever. And we gave a lot of interviews to Arabic media, you know, Al Jazeera, Al Hura, whatever. And the most amazing thing were uh, messages on Facebook that we got from people in Iraq and Iran and Lebanon and Syria saying, we saw these interviews. We didn't know people in Israel are talking this way. We were always told that you're the enemy and you hate us, but we see that there's different and there's another way and there's people who are actually fighting for peace. And that was really, it made us cry. It was the most uh, incredible thing saying, maybe we changed something in people's uh, minds a little bit. As I said before, Eurovision is a tool. It's not just a song contest. You can use it for messages. And Dana changed a lot of things. And maybe this song, there must be another way it changed something. I don't know. I, I, I want to believe that maybe a little bit. And, and, you know, we were for two weeks in Moscow horrible city. I hate, hate this city. I hate it. Why? Why not? I, I mean, it's bleak. I have never been are... there, but I've been to St. Petersburg and I love St. Petersburg. I'm sure I haven't been. I'm sure it's fantastic. I've been to Moscow three times and uh, there's nothing I liked there. Not the food, not the people, not the vibe. Um, everything is in Russian, nothing in English. I, I just didn't like at all that city. But uh, the delegation was absolutely fantastic and Mira and I are really good friends. And it was absolutely fantastic. We stayed in our rooms. The first night we bought uh, one bottle of vodka. Mm -hmm. And then the following nights uh, there were three bottles of vodka. <laughs> and I gained three kilograms in two weeks in Russia because of the vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the head of press, so we had uh, we have uh, a head of press and a head of delegation room, and they had the most amazing chocolates. I gained three kilos in, in two weeks. Yeah. And the funny story, I said there was a funny story. We all had a crush on the Danish singer. Wait here. Uh, the <laughs> Danish singer. He, he's a beautiful creature, blonde, Oh, who was that? I don't know. I just remember, <laughs> you know, I just know that he was gorgeous. <laughs> and we all had a crush. And now Mira and I, one of the things that uh, bonds us is alcohol. Mm -hmm. So obviously at uh, the red carpet event, we got drunk because that's what we do. Drunk I have to Google him and the name was Brink. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Uh, so obviously after doing all the interviews and after we had finished the, the job, we got wasted because that's what we do and, and we like it. And we love to embarrass each other uh, in public. <laughs> so I uh, took her by the hand and I walked to the Danish singer and she's like, alone, please, no, 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 please, no, I, I, please, I beg you, don't. 
And I said to him, hi, uh, my name is Elon, I'm the head of press, whatever. This is my singer, she has a crush on you, discuss. <laughs> and he looks at her and he's like, yeah, I heard you that you were singing with uh, the Arabic singer. And she looks at him and she's like, no, I'm the Arabic singer. And he's like, oh, and for some reason that was it. You can be in a city that you hate or not a fan of, but if you have a great delegation, it doesn't really matter. If you have a great delegation, everything is fine. And that delegation was absolutely brilliant. Mira Wad told me that she got tons of hate from both Israeli Jews and Muslims. What was it like for you? Uh, you know, as we became really good friends uh, instantly, and we had worked for two, three months, uh, there was nothing for me to do besides hugging her, supporting her. I got to see the messages she received. I was shocked. But, you know, besides hugging her and giving her the support, there was nothing I could have done. But sometimes that's what you need, you know, a friend to say, I'm, I'm with you on that and I'm, I'm here if you need me. And then, you know, We drank and forgot everything. <laughs> so, you know, thank God for alcohol. <laughs> When we still are in Moscow, is it true that Dima Bilan still owes you money? Yeah, but that, that that's not because of Moscow. Uh, in 2006, Philip Kirkovov called me and said, Dima Bilan is representing Russia after you did a fantastic job with Angelica. He wants to come to Israel to do a tour, a promo tour before Eurovision. And I'm like, fine, that's my fee. And he said, okay. So I'm with Dima for three days, again, press conferences, TV shows, everything. And then he left the country without paying. Ooh. And uh, until today, I haven't received the money. Never, never let you go. You are the one I'm searching for. Flash on my flash, burn off my bone. Love's coming in, in the store. Never, never let you go. It's all the days we had before. So Dima, bitch, you owe me the money. Did you That's inform Kirkorov about it? I did. He said, well, I, I just, you know, I was just recommending you. I'm not in charge or, or responsible for that. And he's not. Yeah. He, he wasn't. Um, but uh, I was trying to contact Dima and, and management and, and nothing. But, you know, money, you say water under the bridge, money under the bridge. I'll never say that money again, but that's fine. Two years later, you traveled to Düsseldorf with the Slovakian delegation. Yeah. And their representative, twins. Yeah. What were the biggest differences if you compare working with Slovakia, Belarus and Israel? You know, when I worked with Belarus, I used to present myself as the head of press of the Belarusian delegation, but I'm Israeli. It was very, very important for me. And after 2009, everybody knew I was Israeli, so working with Slovakia. I must, I must ask, because of political situation or, or why? No, 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 because I'm, I'm, I'm Israeli and I'm proud Israeli and I love my country and, and I didn't want to be mistaken for Belarusian. Yeah, okay. Um, but in 2011, everybody knew me already. So I was the head of press, or as we called it, of the Slovakian delegation. <laughs> Yeah, and I said it in the press conference and, and everybody was laughing. Uh, I guess not the people from Slovakia, 
but do you know what it's like working with twins? I didn't know who was who. And I, I have a twin brother, identical twin brother, but there are some differences. Yeah. With those two, Daniela and Veronica, no, it's the same person. So after three, four days of not saying the right name, I started calling them Sweetie. And you can't get wrong with Sweetie. <laughs> sweetie, I need you to do this. Sweetie, let's go. That was the easiest solution for me. And I kind of knew that we won't qualify. I liked the song. I didn't like the arrangement. Didn't like the dresses. They were lovely. Dusseldorf was a bit boring. And, and it was very difficult working in Dusseldorf. The German had um, a lot of rules that didn't make sense. And the dressing rooms were at the fourth floor and the stage were, was at like minus one and no elevators. They didn't allow to use elevators. Yep. So can you imagine all the female singers with the high heels going up and down and always going up and down, up and down, up. But at some point we managed to break the Germans and started working uh, because it was almost impossible with the conditions to work there. Now the, the production was amazing, don't get me wrong, but the conditions and the rules and to go from the arena to the press center which was like 200 meters but you have to take a detour with a car and it's like 10 minutes it, it was i didn't get it I just remember the semi-final, which we didn't qualify, that uh, the twins were sitting and I'm sitting with them in the green room on the sofa, hugging them. And a German production assistant, this guy came to us and he saw them crying and he said, you have to leave. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, can you give us a second? And he's like, no, you have to leave. And I'm like, yeah, that's the German way. There are rules, and, and so we went. Hmm. Um, but, and then, you know, we were in the first semifinals, so that meant four free days. And I wanted to go back home because I didn't enjoy Dusseldorf, but I stayed, and that was the after show party. Yeah. was the best one ever. Oh my God. They gave personalized bottles of champagne and we each drank like five. And that year, Polly Genova represented Bulgaria, which she was in the same semi-final with us, but I didn't meet her. And after having met her a few years later, she told me again that she got wasted as well. Yeah. Uh, that was the best after party ever. I mean, from the parts I can remember, it was the most amazing party. Do you have any gossip from the after party? I don't remember anything. <laughs> I wish I did. I don't remember. I just remember <laughs> drinking a lot. Uh, I just remember having fun. Didn't I, We didn't sleep. I went back to Israel uh, with the Israeli delegation. What's left of the Israeli delegation, because Dana 
Dana International represented Israel that year. Yeah. She, she returned, missed the final too. Yeah, so she returned uh, to Israel. She didn't stay for the final. That was a fun year, and the twins, I love them. We are still in, in contact. And, and yeah, it was very interesting uh, working for Slovakia. <laughs> <laughs> we move forward to 2012 and Baku. Uh, this time you were in the Israeli delegation again. Yeah. And Israel sent a happy group, Isabo, with the song Time. But everything didn't turn out to be so happy uh, for you and your delegation in Azerbaijan, as you told us before. Uh, Israel got a 13th place in the semi-final and we're out. Were yeah. you and the team surprised? I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, I thought I really loved that song. The performance was not the most brilliant, but I really liked that song a lot. I, I really loved it. And I remember after the semi-final, we were... Um, at our uh, hotel floor, we had uh, security issues, so we had the whole floor to ourselves, and we were sitting at a corridor. Yeah. And I was the only one crying, saying we should have uh, qualified. I was the only one. They didn't care so much. And then that was Tuesday. On Wednesday morning, you know, security issues. We were told to pack our things, and we we're going back to Israel. Yeah. And we had our everything packed, and then we discovered that seven people are staying because uh, the airplane was fully booked. Mm-hmm. And we have a saying in Israel, you don't leave anyone behind. So we talked the members of the delegation uh, among ourselves, and we decided that either we're all going or we're all staying. <laughs> and the security people say, uh, told us, you can stay, but we're leaving, we're leaving. So we stayed in Baku for four days without security, Ooh. which was petrifying. Yeah. <laughs> the, the hotel was secured. They did tell us, listen, um, apparently that was after they uh, caught the terrorists. They took me aside. They said, listen, there, there is nothing you should be worried about, but don't go to this and this restaurant anymore because you've been there. Yeah. And if you're being asked, say that you're from Malta. And I'm like, okay. So we're going to the old city of Baku the following day, going into a gift shop with one of uh, other member of the delegation. And the saleswoman is asking us where we're from. And, and this guy is saying Malta, because we were asked to say Malta. And she said, oh, that's lovely. What's your capital city? And he's like looking at her and saying, Malta city? <laughs> and I'm screaming from the back, Valletta. It's Valletta. <laughs> And then at the last day, I got food poisoning in Baku. Was <laughs> that was one hell of a trip. Um, when I'm doing Eurovision as head of press, it usually takes me a day to recover. Yeah. It took me 10 days. I couldn't get off my sofa 
uh, I was mentally, physically exhausted, knowing, you know, everything that is happening or what I thought I knew. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, it took me 10 days to recover and um, I, I was mentally exhausted and, and emotionally drained. You know, this experience was the most horrific and amazing at the same time for me. The following year, in 2013, you were back in Eurovision for Israel. Yeah. Do you remember the artists and the host city? It was Malmö. Yep. Uh, we went to Eurovision with uh, Moran Mazor with the song Rag Bishvilo. Yes. And again, I was hired only at the beginning of April. Uh, we went to Amsterdam for the promotional trip. And Moran, I have to say, I love her to death. She's working hard. She's funny. She's intelligent. Brilliant singer. Everything was amazing. I really loved that song, even though it was uh, in Hebrew. I loved that song and I thought that we uh, would return home uh, in the top three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're laughing now. And then I saw the dress. Oh my God, yeah. And yeah. For, uh, I saw the dress four days before the semi-final and I should have burned it. <laughs> I wanted to burn it. I wanted to cut it and say no dress. Find something else. I hated that dress and I told her, listen, we're not going to qualify because you're, you're, you're looking like a beached whale. And I love the fact that she was on the... Listen, I thought she was sexy. I loved that she wasn't this skinny bitch, that she was a little bit on the heavier side. I loved it. Loved it. She was sexy. She was beautiful. I loved it. But you need to dress appropriately. We that... must say here that the dress was designed in white and black, which created the image of an hourglass-shaped silhouette. Uh, like a design we are familiar with from a random plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, and she couldn't walk. My job at the, at the semi-final, uh, you know, uh, uh, the green room and the dressing room were like 500 meters from the stage and she couldn't walk in this stage. So they, the production built a, a, a tent next to the stage in which we dressed her on. And my job was to go on stage with her and to fix the dress in those 10 seconds and to run off stage before the, songs, uh, the song begins. In the final rehearsal, I went to the wrong way and found myself caught on stage during the whole song. <laughs> Squatting, trying to make myself invisible. And when I went down the stage manager, he laughed at me. But I learned during the semifinal, I ran in the right uh, direction. And then when she finished singing, I had to run on stage, pick up the dress and help her walk off stage. The, the same happened actually with Noah and Mira. 
I was helping Noah with her dress. That's my, I'm the dress fluffer. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. Uh, what do I do? I fix the dress. So we went off stage, and one of the production crew, the Swedish ones, took me aside and he said, "You know, last night at the at uh, the jury's rehearsal, you got 12 points from Germany." And I was, "Are you kidding me?" And he said, yeah, I've heard that you got from the juries 12 points. And I thought, oh, my God, we're going to qualify. And we didn't. <laughs> because, again, I, I blame it all on the dress. You don't listen to the song once you see her on stage with that dress. Yeah, I totally uh, agree. And I told me, uh, Moran Masor this when I talked I, to her in this podcast. I wanted to burn the dress. I remember a couple of days before uh, the semifinal, I was in the dressing room by myself with the dress, and I wanted to take scissors and rip this shit apart. <laughs> it, uh, oh my God. And so we didn't qualify, and it was her birthday the following day, so it was a bit sad. Yeah. And um, that was it for 2013, you know. Uh, it was Malmo. We had uh, six special agents with us or five because there were some uh, couple of nasty demonstrations against us yeah maybe we must say here that the city of malmo sadly is well known even outside of sweden yeah, it's yeah, a dangerous know, place for jews so so I we call had it was, ramalmo we all did don't ask me how we called uh baku <laughs> you tips please uh, yeah, in english the, the the literal translation is bacant <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, in Ramalme, so they had demonstrations against us, yeah. which uh, we were asked about it in the press conference. Yeah, and course, I have yeah. ruled, uh, besides Noah and Mira, who are very intelligent, they know politics, they know what they're saying. No one is talking politics in the delegation uh, besides me. Because I know how to get out of things. Um, I know my shit. Yeah. So we were asked about it, and I said that We're Israelis, proud Israelis, and we're representing Israel, but we're not representing the Israeli government. Same as the Russian singer doesn't represent Putin, or the Swedish singer doesn't represent the Swedish, uh, the Swedish government. Yep, yep. We're singers, we're not politicians. And I was talking about it and, and got applauded by 200 journalists, but then on Israeli websites, the headline was, uh, we're not representing the Israeli government. And out of context... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which I found it funny because the messages and, and what people were writing about me or to me, uh, which was really nasty, I, I found those things very funny. I couldn't care less. So that was uh, one other thing uh, we had to deal with. We couldn't really go by ourselves, only with uh, security, like in Baku the previous year. And uh, as... People of the people of Malmo saying that the best thing about Malmo is that it's 15 kilometers from Copenhagen. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're saying that, not me. I mean, I've been to Malmo later on, a few years after that, for a Christopher Bjorkman tribute, and I, I, I liked it. You know, I, I, I liked Malmo. Moran Masoch also told me that she wasn't happy in Malmo and struggled hard both with her weight and mood. Were you aware of that? Moran was signed by this production company and no one came with her. She was by herself. And I was hired by the production company to work with her. So I was like her 
father and mother when it came and I was fighting for her because, you know, when we're during Eurovision as a singer, uh, you don't necessarily always agree with the broadcaster, with your local TV station that, yep, yep. you know, uh, so we had a lot of fights and I was fighting for her or protecting her and it wasn't the easiest, you know, obviously being fat myself uh, in the past, I know what it's like to struggle with your weight, especially when you're on camera and performing and people are commenting on that all the time. Yeah. So I know it wasn't easy for her. Uh, I was very proud of her. She, I, I think she did a fantastic job besides the dress, which she, she insisted on, but I was really proud of her at that time. And uh, she's an amazing, she, she's such an amazing person. I was really lucky to have worked with her. I, I just love her. Um, for the third time in a row, Israel missed the final. It would later be four times in a row since the fan favorite, My Fine Gold, ended second yeah. to last the following year. Do you have any theories as to why the outcome was so bad for Israel during all these years? Uh, there is a correlation between how the local broadcaster is treating Eurovision yeah. and the results. You can see it in Sweden and all the Scandinavian countries, which it really means a lot to them. And yep. they invest a lot of effort and thought and, and sometimes, you know, money. So, and, and you see good results. In Israel, in those years, uh, IBA didn't really treat it as they should have. So I think that it's, it's a result of their work uh choosing not always the right singers or the right songs it it, it looked to me maybe i'm wrong but it, it i thought that they didn't really care much you know doing eurovision means working really really hard and it it was my impression again maybe i'm wrong that they didn't really want to work hard and they didn't really care In 2016, you were back in the contest and to Sweden, <laughs> but this time in the capital, Stockholm, as a yeah, manager. My favorite, my, my favorite city in the whole world, oh, by the way. Mm, yeah. My favorite city in the world is Tel Aviv. Yeah. You can take my apartment, I'll take yours, no worries. Ah, uh, sorry, I live in Gothenburg, you know. Oh, so fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't been, I don't know, I'm sure it's a beautiful city. Don't kill me. Uh, you were there as a manager and head of press for Hovi Star. And I started working with Hovi um, a couple of months prior to Hakohavaba, the next star, the reality show. Yeah. So we came together as artist and manager uh, and did this whole process of the reality. And uh, I didn't think we would win. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And we did. And then the problem started. <laughs> he's, he's unique. He's not always the easiest person. He is an amazing singer, brilliant performer. On the personality side, uh, in my opinion, and um, after working with him for a year, he, he, he's a handful. And then we had the production. And then 
two broadcasters. So, you know, it was a lot of headaches for me. But the production company, they were absolutely fantastic uh, when it comes to work. They did everything they could and fought really hard. But the thing was, and, and, and I can say it now, that we uh, didn't really like our song, Made of Stars. A language I don't understand You speak, I listen, I'm your friend You hypnotize me, hypnotize me With your hand A million faces tied in chains you ride a black horse in the rain You hypnotize me, hypnotize me And you didn't have any other songs to choose from? Uh, there was this committee and they chose some songs from which song, those songs we were supposed to choose. And Hovi wrote actually a brilliant song, but the committee didn't choose it. Okay. Uh, so uh, we ended up with uh, Made of Stars. Uh, Composed which... by Doron Medallier. Yeah. 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 Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, until today, I'm not sure what the song is about. And no, I'm not kidding. And uh, for three months, you had to, I don't want to say lie, but, you know, we had to sell the song uh, yeah. and say how much we love it and how much we believe in it. And it, listen, it's a good song. Don't, Made of Stars is a really good song. Not all good songs are suitable for Eurovision. You've got good songs and you've got good songs for Eurovision. And I didn't think we, you know, I, I said from the beginning that if we were to be lucky and qualify, we'll end up 14th. If we're not lucky, 18th. And we finished 14th. Yeah. Tell me that you want to stay and come and close and take my hand. Let's float across the sky like there's no floor and there's no ceiling and dance with me. worked really hard, really hard. That year we had so many pre-Eurovision events, Latvia and Moscow and Tel Aviv and Amsterdam and Malta and then two weeks in Stockholm, which means that in the period of two months you get to see those singers from other countries more than you see your family and your friends. So they become your immediate family uh, and friends. And, and we were a very tight group of like seven, eight singers, which was absolutely brilliant. I'm still in touch with a lot of them. One in particular. <laughs> Polyganova, yeah. 
she's like my little sister. We're still in really good, uh, I, I see her all the time. So that year was absolutely brilliant uh, because uh, this group of seven, eight people, it was absolutely amazing. Starting in Latvia, and then we went to Moscow, which we had an incident with Hovi and his passport. Mm -hmm. uh, we were on a red-eye flight from Latvia, from Riga to Moscow, like three in the morning. Um, and when we entered Moscow on border control, they ruined his passport, damaged it. Oof. Yes. And... Um, Why? Maybe because he was gay or the, he looked gay or what? I, 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 listen, I was the first one crossing border control. So I told them, I'll see you at the luggage. And then Hovi came with Barre from Spain and Ira from Malta and their group. And he was crying and they were consulting him. And I said, what, what happened? And he showed me the passport and he said, they ruined it. I said, why? I said, I don't know, but they ruined it. So I don't, I, I haven't seen it. I, I was the first one going through. Knowing that Moscow is, could be a problematic place. Uh, I contacted the Israeli embassy prior to our arrival. And uh, uh, the following day, we were there for 24 hours. Uh, right before our flight, we went to the embassy and issued a new passport to Hovi in order for him to go back to Israel. Yeah. Listen, in Moscow, I have a really funny story. We haven't really slept for two days. The food in Riga was not brilliant. We didn't have time to eat in Moscow. We had the event. Both Hovi and I were really tired and really hungry. After the event, which, which was amazing. Oh my God, what's the name of the Russian singer that year? It wasn't Dima Bilan. Sergei Lazarev. Yes, that's the one. Uh, cute and pretty face. Yep. So he had a birthday and they took us all, we were 10 singers there and, and crew. They took us to this restaurant. No fans, no media, just us, which was exactly what we needed. So we were at this restaurant and the Macedonian singer, Calliope, which I had met in Baku already. Now the beach knows that when I'm being served a drink, when someone is offering me offering me a glass of wine, I'll drink that glass of wine. Yeah. And she can drink. I'll tell you that. <laughs> she can drink. Yeah. I was tired, I was hungry, and I drank all three glasses that she gave me. <laughs> uh, now, what I'm about to tell you, I don't remember. I was told the following day by Hovi and the Swiss uh, delegation, but it sounds like me, so I believe that. Apparently, at some point, I'm sitting next to Hovi and on my other side, uh, Sergei. And we were eating, we're drinking, we're talking, and, and there was this huge birthday cake for Sergei. So Hovi goes and takes two big pieces of cake to the whole table, to 20 people. And the conditor of the cake stands between uh, Sergei and myself and talking how happy he is to make this cake, blah, 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 this and that. And apparently while he was talking, I took a bite of the cake and said to myself, but apparently loud enough for everyone to hear, oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> Which apparently everybody laughed, besides the Russians. <laughs> yeah, but again, 
sounds like me. If I have the opportunity to embarrass myself publicly, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> Some might say it's part of my magic, or as my mom says, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, so that was Moscow. You're my only one. <laughs> well, um, I would love to invite you to our family dinner. <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> Believe me, you don't. <laughs> um, the media write about some kind of a beef between the Israeli singer Hovi and the Dutch singer Dawi, Bob. And they got questions about this all the time on site. I'll tell you what happened. As I said, Hov... Hovi has a unique personality, the Dutch singer also. We were at this event in Amsterdam and after the show or before the show, meet and greet, and you know, everybody's taking pictures with everybody. The fans with this singer, this singer with that singer, everybody's taking pictures with everyone. Yeah. So the Dutch singer Dawe, his name is? Yeah. So Dawe took a picture with another singer and Hovi kind of photobombed into this picture and Dawe was upset about it. And when you're upset at Hovi and you tell him, I don't appreciate, he closes himself to that person and um, that's it. So Dawe said something to Hovi, Hovi said something to Dawe. And then Hovi said, I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to see him. I don't want this. I don't want that. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> At some point, Dawe came uh, in Stockholm to apologize because it, it, it went over what it was. Come on. It's, it's, it wasn't a beef. It wasn't a feud. It was two singers with unique personalities. And yeah, but it was, was it. something that, that several newspapers speculated about. Yeah, because they need something to write about. Absolutely, yeah. You know, we didn't care about the Dutch delegation, and I'm pretty sure they didn't give a shit about us. But at one point, Dawe came to me and said, I want to apologize because I, I understand that he was offended by my comment. He, he, you know, he took responsibility. But Hovi is Hovi, and he wasn't interested in that. So, you know, that was it. But uh, again, that's where I met uh, Polly. Again, uh, the common thing is alcohol. That, that's the motif in, in, in my conversation with you. If you want to make me happy, bring me a glass of wine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so th that year in Stockholm, that was absolutely brilliant and a lot of friends. And then in the final... I think it was during the interval act, I was working at the green room and the German head of delegation called me and she said, you know, last night at the jury's uh, rehearsal, our jurors really liked your song. Now, I was, again, a bit tipsy because a lot of alcohol, no food in the green room. And I said, oh, they liked us 10 points or they liked us 12 points. And she said, 12. And I started crying. And she's looking at me, Dave, I'm nuts. She said, I, I, I just gave you the most 
wonderful thing. You got 12 points. And I said, no, you don't understand. Ever since 2005, we haven't heard in Eurovision Israel 12 points. That's the first time in 11 years that the people at home in Israel will get to hear that. And that was so emotional for me. Yeah, that was very nice. This was the last time you went to Eurovision and worked with yeah. a delegation. Uh, yeah. Why? Because of the rising star, the Akuhavaba, the TV show. Yeah. As I said, uh, when it came to work, they were the best. The best. But uh, I didn't get along with them. And uh, since uh, I do have some experience in the Eurovision and uh, I am opinionated, it didn't work between us. And uh, both sides have decided not to work with each other. And up until last year, they were in charge of Eurovision. So uh, in 2017, I released my book uh, inspired by my experience in the Eurovision. Uh, so I promoted that. In 2018, it was released in English. This year, it was released in Dutch. Yeah. So I focused on doing a lot of things, especially when we hosted the Eurovision in Tel Aviv. So I did so many things for uh, my heritage, which were the main sponsors and were in charge of bringing a lot of uh, Eurovision artists to perform. And um, I hosted uh, a huge event in Tel Aviv port alongside Orna Dats. We had uh, three Eurovision winners, Lorraine, Carola and Anne-Marie David. So um, I did a lot of things in Tel Aviv. Oh, and I was uh, helping the Norwegian delegation. Which year? In 2019. Okay. Oh, okay. Mm. I was uh, judging that year, uh, the Norwegian national final, and we were the only ones giving them 12 points. I hear you calling me at During all these years, you have also been taking part as an, an international jury members in uh, Sweden, Finland, Estonia, Bulgaria, Ireland, and Malta, uh, b besides Norway. Uh, do you remember any specific song that you loved and voted for that didn't win and missed Eurovision? Listen, the first time I was part of the international juries, it was in uh, Sweden. I was actually in the committee who had chosen the songs for Melody Festival and I was in Stockholm for a week listening to 2,000 songs yep. and having to, we, we uh, had to pick uh, 28 or 32 songs. That was for 2008 yep. when Charlotte uh, Perelli won with Hero. Yes. For me, I, I didn't get that song. I, I, I told them, great, it's a Schlager, Eurovision fans would adore this song. However, in that committee, a song was uh, submitted, which uh, I, I won't tell you all the process, but we were 16 people. Everyone had the, the opportunity to save one song. And there was one song I was fighting for, fighting for. And I said, it won't win, but it would do well 
in mellow, it would do re- well on radio, and it should be. Now that song didn't qualify, didn't uh, do mellow that year, but several years later, you know that song as I'm in Love by Sana Nielsen. That was the song I was fighting for. All my love I give to you, all I do, I do for you. For. Did it have the same title? Was it the same yes. song? Yes, yes, the same song, not the same singer, but I was fighting for I'm in Love. And there was actually another song that, you know, out of those 16 uh, singers, uh, jurors, uh, 14 were Swedes, one British and me, Israeli. Yeah. And we were actually, the British and I, we were f- uh, fighting for a song, a certain song which did enter and qualified with the final and it's there thanks to us uh i I think i remember the swedish title it was in swedish uh forgive me for not pronouncing it right yes it was uh, it was sang by two girls when no no but yeah in in, the demo was sung by two girls and later nordman sang it yes yeah Yes, so uh, we were fighting for that song, actually. It's yeah. one of my favorites, and it's written by one of my friends, Morten Eriksson. Yeah. Okay, so we were fighting for that song. I did a, a, a series of rejected songs to, from Melodifestivalen uh, three years ago, and I was allowed to play several of those. I didn't play, of course, everyone. Okay. Uh, but I played at, in in seven programs. I played nearly 500 of them in snippets. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, so people could hear the songs.
when I uh, was in the committee in 2008, so we've heard 2,000 songs. 1,500 of them were shit. Yep. <laughs> 400, uh, 400 were nice, okay. Yeah. But 100 was good. Yeah. When I uh, uh, was in the committee in Estonia, I listened to 300 songs in one day. Sometimes I had a row of 40 really bad songs. Yeah. And then there was this one song which was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But it wasn't accepted. I'll send you a link. It's a great song and I don't know why it wasn't accepted. Maybe the others didn't like it. You know, some of the rejected songs are absolutely great. Yep, definitely, definitely. You know, take, for example, I'm in love. Great Schlager song. Absolutely. They tried it for three or four years until it was accepted. Every year there is a speculation about foul play and cheating. Have you noticed anything of that yourself? Both in pre or internal selections and Eurovision? Internal selections, never. National finals, ever. Yeah. I remember asking Christopher Bjorkman one day, who do, you want, who do you want to go to Eurovision? And he said, whoever you think would give us, uh, wh- whoever you think will bring us the best result. He wouldn't say who his favorite was. Not, he wouldn't even imply nothing. Okay. So uh, in national finals, never. But in Eurovision, I was approached several times to swap points, to sell points, to buy points, to, you know. I never do that. I never did that. The first time was in Moscow, and then uh, following years as well, I've heard, seen, not my delegations. I don't allow it. I want to play fair. But uh, I know of five, six, seven, eight countries that are doing it. Is it always the same countries? Yes, and it doesn't really help them a lot. You need a good song. I mean, if you're cheating, it can bring you extra 40, 50 points yeah. tops. That's not enough. You need to get points from every country in order to win or to achieve a good position or to qualify. A lot of those countries don't even qualify. Yeah. Uh, and it's not your usual suspects. Let me just say it like that. Not just the usual suspects. You'd be surprised. Well, I hope Sweden is innocent here. To my knowledge, none of the Scandinavian countries are in it. Ah, great. Uh, In honesty, when serving on such a jury, how seriously is it handled? Very. It's my name on it. Hmm? It's my name on it. So I, I, and I'm there for a job to help that country win. Yeah. I take it very seriously. I always try to choose the best song that would uh, achieve the best position. Uh, I remember, I think it was 2017, uh, I was in uh, Finland. I think it was the song Blackbird that won that Uh, year. Yeah. And I remember watching the jurors rehearsal, thinking to myself, no matter what happens, none of these songs would uh, would qualify to the final in Eurovision. Mm -hmm. I've got nothing to choose from. Nothing. I was right. Who sang when he was in 
that was the first time that I thought nothing is good enough. Nothing. You know, in Sweden, I always have like three, four options. In Norway, at least a couple. Um, Estonia, uh, I was uh, with Polly when uh, Verona won. Uh, we didn't care much for that song, I have to say. It was fifth on my list. Uh, there were other songs which were much better. We And again, uh, in, in all of the time that I was serving as an international tourer, I was right. Because I've done so much, not just Eurovision, uh, production, PR and A&R for Warner Music. And I, I have to say, you know, I, I don't know the best, but I have good instincts. Yeah. And I think I know what I'm doing. And so far, it proved me right. So this is why people... Uh, keep asking me to help them uh, choose a song for Eurovision. Have you, I know uh, several champs, Israel had internal selections. Uh, they quit the Kadam. Um, yeah. I remember from my chat with uh, Roy Arad, uh, Ping Pong 2000. He yeah. told me that the committee said that their song won because that was the best of, of the bad bunch. Um, <laughs> Yeah, listen, Israeli songwriters don't really know how to write to Eurovision. They still think 20, 25 years ago, besides Doron Madali and, and Neta, who brought her personality to Toy uh, and it was magic, Israeli songwriters are stuck in the 80s, 90s when it comes to Eurovision because we do have really good music in Israel. Yeah, absolutely. But when it comes to Eurovision, and, and I'm being consulted by, the, by a lot of Israeli songwriters that are submitting songs to uh, our committee, and um, I have yet to heard a song that I thought, oh my God, it's brilliant. Uh, it's always, eh. <laughs> uh, But, uh, but uh, this year I was approached by uh, some international songwriters to give them my opinion on the songs that they have submitted. And again, uh, it's not easy writing a good song that could win Eurovision, though I'm holding in my hand a song by British songwriters that I think could win Eurovision. Mm -hmm. And we will offer it to the BBC and RTE as well, because one of the songwriters are also Irish. So I hope I'd be able to help either the UK or Ireland win Eurovision once again, if they will let us, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. if they'll pick that song. We must talk a little bit more about your book, the novel, Three Minutes of Eternity, uh, which is not based on your experiences in the contest. It's inspired, but there is a lot of things that have happened uh, in the book, but a lot of things that are inspired as what if. I won't tell you what is what, it's the same in the new book. I wanted to write something, think about the backstage of Eurovision, how it really works, but in a fun and funny way, because it's Eurovision. Uh, so it's about the Israeli delegation uh, representing Israel in Baku yeah. with everything and romances and uh, alcohol and security 
and drama and corruption. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So again, it's about, it's inspired by my many years of experience in the Eurovision Song Contest. And you said here before that you will release a new book. Yeah. When will that be out? Uh, the Hebrew version will be out in April 22. Uh, the name of the book will be It Is What It Is. Actually, about three minutes of eternity, Anne-Marie David gave it, because uh, I meant three minutes of eternity is for us, the people who work on Eurovision, those three minutes on stage, it's like eternity because we work on that for months and months and months, and it seems like eternity. Anne-Marie gave it another completely uh, interpretation. She said, those three minutes on stage gave me a lifetime of eternity. People 45 years later still know me, still love me. So, and, and I thought that was beautiful. She came to Israel to the book release party uh, when it was released. So yeah, I wanted to write something that people who love the Eurovision, but also people who don't know the Eurovision would enjoy because the frame is about the Euro, it's, it's, the frame is Eurovision, but it's about relationship between people. Yeah. You know, it's the most important thing. So it's about love and relationship, about how you handle, when, when life bitch slap you in the face, <laughs> how you choose to handle it. Yeah. And and everyone who loves Eurovision should read it. I mean, they would enjoy. I mean, it's a great gift for for Christmas. Buy it on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Yep. And for international shipping. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's easy reading. Even if English is not your first language, you will understand it. I always ask my guests as the last question, who they think I should invite to the podcast. Who do you suggest? <sighs> you interviewed most of my friends. Mm -hmm. And the people that I work with, um, you should talk to Noah. She's very interesting. I don't know if you've interviewed Neta. No, not yet. I don't know if you interviewed Galia Tari from Make No, Make but Honey. believe me, I have tried. I can help you with that. Thank you. I just actually bought a painting of hers. Ooh. She is a wonderful painter as well. I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. And um, I would actually say... Shlomo Tzach, the producer, he has a lot of stories and he was involved in so many contests for Israel. He was actually the one who discovered that Israel can take part in the Eurovision. Yep, yep, that's right. And, and he's my mentor. He's a very interesting person to talk to. I think we have only scratched the surface. So I wish <laughs> to welcome you back in the future and hear more of your stories from all the big Eurovision artists you have worked with outside Eurovision. I have so many other stories you won't believe it, but in enough for now. <laughs> <laughs> enough for now. And then you maybe have uh, the new book to promote. Yeah. I'm looking forward. Thank you. And I, I hope your uh, listeners will read the first one because it's, it's great. It, it's, it's a really good book, actually. I'm really proud of it. You will finish the book in a day or two because every page something happens. And it's fun and and uh, a lot of obscenity and and foul work because it's written like I talk. Yeah. So yeah. To Daraba, Alon. Very good. Oh.